Well, great that we're all here and we're all standing, standing tall, standing strong in the Lord and really good that you're all here again. Hope you had a good day yesterday. Wasn't it amazing to, um, to see the sun coming out and to see everybody kind of uh, heading outside with um, stripped off as usual Northern Ireland fashion and uh, we went down to Belfast and uh, of course when we got down there we realised that there was a marathon on. <laughs> We're really sorry we hadn't entered. <laughs> we got home last night and we were just sharing about how a couple of weeks ago we took a bit of a health kick. We thought it was time to do a bit of exercise. So we decided that we'd buy an exercise bike between the two of us. So I was telling Jane last night that I am so pleased with myself because I am now able to do two and a half minutes <laughs> every other day. <laughs> Two minutes regular, and then a thirty-minute, and a thirty-second sprint. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you by the end of the thirty-second sprint, I'm done for. But we're building up on it because life's a marathon, isn't it? And because um, God wants His girls to be healthy. So we're continuing with this whole story of uh, Hebrews 11, this great chapter of faith, and we have been kind of taking our time to go through it. Uh, we've been going looking at the different characters and how God used them, but always by faith, that it's impossible to please God without faith. And so we're just going to do two verses today. There's an awful lot in this, um, and I'm just trusting the Holy Spirit to take it and condense it and speak it right into your heart, whatever God wants to say to you. But the two verses we want to read are in chapter 11, Hebrews, and starting at um, the two verses we want to speak, starting at verse number 30. By faith... The walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. And by faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. It tells us in uh, the New Living Translation, the way it puts it is, it was by faith that the people of Israel marched around Jericho for seven days and the walls came crashing down. It was by faith that Rahab the prostitute was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God, for she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. So we're going to just trust the Lord with this because, as you know, last week we talked about how God had called Moses and Moses had brought the people out of Egypt, out of bondage, out of slavery. And we looked at that last week and, um, and we celebrated the faith that Moses had. But you know what kind of struck me this week was this, that even before Moses led the people out of Egypt, that God knew all about the walls of Jericho. Isn't it amazing that God you know, knows, he's the same yesterday, today and forever, and he knows not only what our past is, but he knows what's up ahead. And so when we think of Moses and how you know, he headed out, bringing this between 2.5 to 3.5 million people, we reckon, out of Israel. When we think of this massive company heading out of Israel, we're reminded that, that we need to trust God to direct us, and Moses was trusting God to direct him. And I just saw this little, um, it's, it's not a biblical saying, but it's somewhere or other I read it, and it said, there's a long way which is short and a short way which is long. And at the beginning, Moses, it seemed that God led Moses the long way, because remember last week we saw he took them the long way around to get to the sea, uh, and then he, but then he took them the short way across the sea. And the, the secret was, not whether it takes you a long time on your journey or a short time, but the secret is, is God directing you. 
are you obeying? Are you listening to what God's saying? Are you allowing him to direct you? So uh, sadly, uh, Israel, uh, they started off well and God directed them, but then they began to grumble and complain. And, and, um, and actually, when they got to the very edge of the promised land, they refused to go in because they didn't believe God. And so they wandered for another 40 years and actually a whole new generation uh, had to wander until a new generation was ready to go in. And at that point, it wasn't going to be Moses who was going to bring them in. So that's kind of the background from last week, that Moses was a great leader of God and he led the people out of bondage. And you know, it's amazing that God took 40 years to prepare Moses in Egypt and then another 40 years in the wilderness to prepare him to lead the people out. But it was gonna take yet another 40 years to get the people ready to go in. And so Moses was a, a leader who was, you know, he had his faults, but the Bible says that he was the meekest man on all the earth. I've given you a reference for that in Numbers. He was, um, he was a man who loved God. He was a, a servant of, there was something about Moses that was of humility. You know, he, he, and we saw last week, it was nearly to the, to the extent where he, he kind of talked himself down. He didn't maybe appreciate how God had made him in the beginning. But he was a man who followed God and led the people out. Uh, and he was a man that God used to give the law, the Ten Commandments and all the rest of the law to, to uh, Israel and, of course, to us as well. So we saw last week that... Um, that, that God had prepared Moses, even from before he was born, that his parents seemed were, were ready, and a certain time of history, he came in to lead the people out of bondage. And today I wanted to say to you that, that, that God wants to lead you out of where you're at, and he wants you to know that the walls in your life can come down. Would you believe, do you believe that? Because there's things in our lives that the enemy would try to put a wall around you. But God knew, even before Moses left, that there was going to be the walls in Jericho were going to have to come down. And he knows on your journey, whatever there might be around you that's causing you to be limited and a wall around you. So we're going to look, this is a bit of a, it's a, bit of a mixture, because we had that weekend in Zanata, and as you know, I spoke about Rahab, one of the women on that. And, you know, I just feel like God's given me another twist on it. So forgive me, it's a bit, it's a bit different from Zanata. And it's a bit of a, I said to my friend last night on the phone when we were praying for this morning, I said, it feels like a big, bit of a mismatch. Mismatch, not the word, mismatch. That's a good word for my, uh, for my list. Mismatch. And in a way, it feels a bit like that. But you know, I've just felt prompted by the Holy Spirit to give it to you this way because do you know what? I really felt that God had called Moses to be a servant. And we're going to see he also called, Joseph, also called um, Joshua. But I just feel that God wants you to know that he's calling you. That every one of us are called to be servants at one level or another. Not just servants, but leaders. And I just feel that God really wants to speak this morning to your heart about serving God, but serving as a, a leader isn't to lord it over people, it's actually serve people. But I believe that God wants all of us to be aware of the call of leadership in all our lives, at whatever level that might be. And we're going to look, uh, yes, we've mentioned, we haven't time, we've, we've done with, with Moses from last week, but we're going to continue now looking at Joshua because um, remember that uh, Joshua was a very different person. In fact, we haven't time to go into it, but he was one of the two spies that went in and was prepared to go in and take the land. 
whenever everybody else wouldn't believe God. So he was a young man who from his earliest was a man who believed in God. He believed God for the impossible. He was ready to go in and take the land as a young man. But because Israel wouldn't believe, they weren't able to go in. And I just wonder this morning, I wonder, is there any area in your heart of unbelief? Because you know what? God is calling you not only into salvation, and I love that, he's calling all of us to come to know him as our Saviour and our Lord. But he's also calling us to step up and to step up to be a leader for him, to influence others for him. But you know, if there's, if there's unbelief in our heart, it will stop us entering into what God has for us. It stopped Israel from going into the, to the promised land. It stopped them going in to get their inheritance. And a, a whole generation died in the wilderness because of unbelief. So that's crucial that you remember it's by faith that you please God. It's by faith that you push into your spiritual destiny. It's by faith that you see God bringing down those walls in your life. And God wants you to know that. And God wants you to lean on him and to believe him and trust him. And you see, we're all different. You can't do life the way I do it and I can't do life the way you do it. But that's the glorious thing that God has made you to be a unique woman. There's nobody else like you. There's nobody else like me. And we're all created for his pleasure and his plan for all of us. And he wants you to know who you are. And so we see that, that Moses was very different. He was that, that diplomatic, meek man. To be meek means to have power under control. He was a man that God could use. And, and he was a man who, who, uh, who, who, who God loved. But you know, during the years in the wilderness, God was preparing another leader. A Joshua. And he was a different kind of character. He wasn't your kind of uh, peaceful, kind of gentle man of meekness. He was more a military style leader. He was a kind of an in your face man. He was a get the business done kind of thing. But you know, he, he worked for all those years in the wilderness, he worked under Moses. And, and I just really felt this week as I prepared for this that, that we need to really honor Joshua because he, he was happy. For, for to fulfill his destiny in God's time. He was happy to be the servant under Moses until the time came for him to take the lead. And you know, I think there's something about this. There's a guy called John C. Maxwell who he's written, he's, he's, um, uh, written leadership notes for, for the Amplified Version. He's a, a Bible under his name. And, uh, and he, he makes this wee comment. He says that Joshua let Moses die. He didn't try to take over prematurely. He didn't try to think, well, Moses is getting older now, and actually I could do that better than him. You know, maybe I should just kind of take over a bit there. No. Joshua was, was, was humble enough and trusted God enough to wait God's time and to serve Moses faithfully until the end. And you know, there's something, I don't know, an awful, an awful lot of you women, I actually don't know that much about you. I know, I know wee bits about some of you, but I don't know everything about everybody. And I don't know what your church background is, and I don't know where you feel you fit in your church. But my guess is that there are people within your church that, uh, that have maybe positions where you're under their authority. And that's good. We're meant to be under authority. And that's the point that I really wanted to make about Joshua. He was happy to work under Moses' authority. And I think this is something that God will test us on. 
I think that God will test us. Are we willing to come under authority? Remember, Jesus one day, a man, a, a Roman centurion, ran to him and said, Lord, you don't even need to come to my house because I'm a man under authority. If I say to one of my servants, go, he goes, and if I say, come, he comes. So I, I know that you're a man under authority. And Jesus was, came under the Father, and Jesus, Jesus that was, that's the divine order, is to no one be, be willing to come under under divine authority, under to take your place humbly and not to try and push in to set yourself up, but to trust God at the right time, to prepare you and at the right time to set you up. And I love that because the Bible says that when we humble ourselves, then the Lord will lift us up. And so there's something about Joshua being able, being willing to buy this time. And I would encourage you, because I would believe that every single one of you really want, God wants to do something with you amongst the circle of believers that you move in. And that God has a place for you. And God wants you to know what that is. And so God was preparing Joshua to be that leader who not only was willing to come under Moses' authority, but to be a man who knew what he was. I, I love what John Maxwell says as well. He says that it seems that Joshua must have decided not to imitate Moses' style, but just to be himself. And you see, I think that's really important because we can look at other leaders and other Christians and we can admire them and we can want to be a bit more like them, but we don't want, we don't want to be clones. We want it to be who God has created us to be. And that might look, it probably will look very different to the person beside you. And I think those are two key roles. And I encourage you, in this time, maybe some of you are feeling that maybe you're already involved in some stuff in church and leadership and issues. And we'll talk about what leadership means in a minute. Maybe you're already involved and you're championing a bit to do more. I would encourage you to waste your time and ask God to show you clearly, but to be ready. And during that time of waiting to learn who you are in Christ, to know that you are unique, to know that he has made you with a, a specific set of gifts, with a specific personality, with a specific situation in your life that he has already a destiny, has already a plan, knows exactly where you will fit and waiting on him is the best thing you can do because he knows more than you do and he's preparing you for destiny. So I really encourage you, and that would be our heart for me, girls, that, that you would all step up into, a, into your place in wherever you are going to, wherever your church family are, that you would just step up and trust God to open up. And if it's not opening right now to trust God because you know what? God will lead you and he will open the door when the time comes. He did that for Joshua. When Moses died, you read the first chapter of Joshua, it's so encouraging. The Lord said, just go for it now, Joshua. And I'll never leave you, never forsake you. I'll be right with you. And you just need to know that. You need to know that God is watching over you. And he, he's taking you on a journey. And he wants you to become that godly woman who can lead others. And so we've seen that God, he had prepared Moses to be a leader. He prepared Joshua to be a leader. But you know the thing that blew my mind this week? That actually he also had another wee woman in mind as well to be part of the conquest of Canaan. Part of bringing down the walls of Jericho was actually another wee woman was going to play a part. And she was going to lead her own family. And she was Rahab the prostitute. And I'll tell you, as I was thinking about this the past few days, if anybody was disqualified to do the job, it would have been Rahab. Isn't that right? Who would have thought that she would have been the only person in Jericho who was able to lead her family into safety? 
Who would have thought that God would have made a wee leader out of her for her family? And I want to encourage you that God has leadership at different levels. And it's not about, it's not about getting, doing something big. It's about doing what God wants you to do. And what, you, what God wants you to do is big. It's big in his eyes. And he's, it's important to him. And God is preparing you for that. So we see that, uh, that, that there was a lot of preparation. There was, from the, before they left Egypt, God had the walls of Jericho in mind. The walls of Jericho were closing the people in. And the walls of Jericho were closing God's people out. The Gentiles were living in there and the Jewish people were coming in to take the land. Now, I love, I love this, whole, uh, this whole idea of, uh, of God preparing us and taking us step by step. And whenever Joshua stepped up into leadership, one of the first things that God told him to do was to send out two spies. Remember, Moses had sent out 12. Well, Joshua sent out two. Now, Joshua at this stage, if we read, read, the, read the, the, the scripture, read, read the first few chapters in, in Joshua, you can see that Joshua is absolutely trusting God. He didn't know how he was going to get them across the Jordan River let alone bring down the walls of Jericho. Joshua didn't know the way any more than you or I know the way up ahead. But you know the key, the key was that he was, he was trusting God. The key was that he trusted God. And I've written in your headings here that Joshua could lead the people because God was leading him. And that's the secret. And do you know something, ladies? God will, will, will only use you into a higher level and open up doors for you when you learn to be led by him. When you learn to trust him for his timing. When you, when you just keep opening his word and feeding yourselves in his word and obeying. You know, faith, I had this wee thought the other day and I thought it was brilliant, we thought. It's not good to give yourself a clap in the back. I just thought, faith, faith is the key. But faith actually means obedience. Faith is not faith if you don't obey. There's no, no point in saying, well, I have the faith to believe that I could go and do something, but I'm not going to do it. Faith and trust and obey goes together. Sorry, I've got a wee hair in my mouth. Trust, trust and obey go together. It's part of faith. And so God wants us to, to trust him and to grow and to feed ourselves from his word and to obey what his word teaches us. And I believe that's a day-by-day that's a day-by-day thing to do, is to feed on his word and obey his word. And ask the Lord to show you from his word, what is he saying to you? And then ask him by the power of his Holy Spirit for you to step out in obedience and do that. And so I really encourage you, and it's lovely to have our friend uh, here this morning from a, the, the Bible study up on the Jethro there. It's just lovely to have that because learning about the Bible and, 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 and feeding yourself and, and, and getting taught it's all part of growing. It's all part of what, of what God wants to do with us. He wants to prepare us, but it's a step-by-step thing. And so during this time in the wilderness, Joshua was being prepared. And when his time came, he was totally trusting God to lead the people. And he was saying, Lord, you need to lead me so that I can lead them. And that's where as we grow and learn how to walk by faith, then we'll be able to lead others to walk by faith as well. And so he didn't know what, how exactly God was going to do it. But you know the very interesting thing? God was leading him to exactly the right place geographically to enter the land. Now, I used to teach Bible, uh, Bible um, Explorer to the children in primary school. 
And we used to, uh, whenever we got to Joshua, we did hand signs for all the different points that we covered. And the hand sign for Joshua was this one. Joshua. And then we uh, did the, uh, the, 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 the sign for going into the land. And it was, going in was divide and conquer. Because Jer Jericho was a walled city, and it was right, Israel's a long, thin line down, and Jericho's plump in the middle. And whenever Jericho, whenever the walls of Jericho would fall, that was their entrance right into the land. And then we used to say, Joshua, divide, conquer, south, north. Because the children of Israel took over the south of the land and then took over the north. The gateway in was Joshua's Jericho. And God led them right to the gateway to enter the land. Joshua, divide, conquer, south, north. God will give you the strategy for what he wants to do in your life. He will bring you to the very spot where you need to go in and do what he's called you to do. Joshua, but that wasn't any of his worldly knowledge. That was the Holy Spirit prompting him to bring him to the wall city of Jericho. And he didn't know anything about Rahab. He didn't know that there was a woman in there who was a prostitute who was desperately seeking God. He didn't know that this wee woman Rahab had heard all about Israel but didn't know the God of Israel. He didn't know that her heart was breaking, that she wanted to know more of God. We talked a little bit about Rahab whenever we were away to Nevada that weekend, a few weeks a few weeks past there. And we said she was a prostitute. And, and, and the one word that hits me whenever I read these scriptures is pain. This was a woman who knew what it was like to be used and abused. This is a woman who, who was, who was a, a, a woman who had suffered a great deal. And yet, this is the very woman that God is choosing to use. To be the only person who can lead her family out of danger in, in Jericho. So let's just read a little bit more about the story and uh, let's just remind ourselves that, the, that, that Rahab actually lived, the Bible says she lived in the wall or on the wall, we're not too sure. I've just written your notes here that archaeologists confirm that the walls were possibly six foot thick and up to 26 foot high. And they've also found evidence that people had dwellings inside the wall. Isn't that amazing that even in our generation that, um, that archaeologists can give us information like this. And they've also found evidence that, um, that there still remains one piece of wall standing about eight foot high. And, uh, and they've also confirmed that the city was burned. So let's take a look at this city and let's just read one verse from Joshua uh, chapter 6. just want to look at one verse right now if I can just find it here um, because we'll need to get, our, get an understanding of what of what was happening in this city. It's, this just one verse says a whole lot. Chapter 6 of Joshua it says now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. So these huge, massive walls surrounding the city. Inside the walls we have a, a prostitute, her name is Rahab. And outside, the other side of the Jordan, the residents in Jericho are aware that the Israelites are there. And they, the, the, the king of Jericho has shut Jericho off. Nobody's allowed out and nobody's allowed in. 
And it reminds me, the walled city of Jericho reminds me of what Satan wants to do in your life. King of Jericho shut it up, nobody could get in, nobody could get out, because they were afraid of Israel. It was a pagan place. It was a place where uh, pagan gods were worshipped, where children were, were sacrificed. All of that stuff that goes with pagan, uh, pagan belief. It was a place where the God of Israel was not known. And uh, inside, this, uh, inside this city lived Rahab. And it, I just think it's really important to remind ourselves that Rahab was living in a stronghold. She was living in a place where the walls were around her. And because she's living on the walls, it's a bit to me like she's sitting on the fence. And it's a bit like she's been looking at the Israel and listening to what the reports are there. And yet she's part of this community. Rahab has a, has a, a, a decision to make. Rahab has a choice to make. And it's very, very interesting that she was behind massive physical walls. And yet, she had no spiritual walls. Now, I, there's so much and so many different ways we go with this story, and I don't want to complicate it for you at all. I want the Holy Spirit to take this and make it simple. But I want to say this to you. I want to say that God doesn't want you behind ungodly walls. But he does long to bring you into the walls of salvation. And there's a lovely little verse, a few wee verses I really want to read to you. Because um, I just think this says it all. In, in, in Isaiah chapter 26, it talks about the walls of salvation. Let me read it to you. I'm reading it actually from the uh, New Living Translation. But it's beautiful in, in any translation. In that day, everyone in the land of Judah will sing this song. Our city is strong. We are surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Open the gates to all who are righteous. Allow the faithful ones to enter. Listen to this. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you. All whose thoughts are fixed on you. Trust in the Lord always, for the Lord God is the eternal rock. I just love the idea of the walls of salvation. I love the fact that God doesn't want us to be shivering and afraid behind the walls of the enemy, behind the confines of what Satan would try to put around your life. Satan would try to wall you in. And, and you know, whenever we are born into this world, we're born in sin and we're literally born behind these walls. We're born in sin and we're our, our connection with heaven is not there. We need salvation to, to be connect, reconnected to our maker. And, and I just think the idea of, of behind the walls of the enemy is a fearful one. But you know what a beautiful thing to know that when God rescues us, when we ask Jesus to be our saviour, when we open up our hearts and we say, Lord, I know that we're in sin. I know, you know, Ephesians talks about being without God and without, in, in the world. Whenever we realise that we're behind these walls of sin and we need to be saved and that God wants to rescue us, do you know the amazing thing? That, God, that just by faith in him for our salvation, that he brings us behind the walls of salvation. The place where we can know perfect peace. And the walls of salvation, you know what I love about this? These are walls that don't shut you in. These are walls that God keeps expanding to give you more territory. Because God wants to grow you. 
Satan wants to put you down to nothing and shrink you and just destroy your life. Jesus said he came to kill and to steal and to destroy. He wants to keep you locked up. He wants you to be like Rahab in a walled city where Satan is in control and ruling the show and where there's no hope for you and where you're just within the confines of walls that the enemy has put around your life. I wonder what the walls are around your life today. I wonder, I going to tell you this, this morning, we didn't, we didn't sleep very well last night. What is it about Monday nights? The last couple of weeks, Monday nights, neither Jane or myself have slept well. And we got up this morning and we hardly had any sleep and we're both kind of really groggy. And uh, I was down just typing up notes and just asking the Lord for the last wee touches of our, of our notes for today. And just as I was getting up to go and have a shower, I just noticed something kicked out from underneath the settee. And I thought, what's that? I picked up a bit of paper, and it was a wee bit of paper that I had written on, I do not know when. What do you think was written on it? A whole lot of stuff about Rahab. And here's me. Oh my goodness, when did I ever write that? And here's what it said. Jericho was shut. In other words, it was impregnable. And I'd written down, what seems to be impregnable to you? And then it written down, it was insurmountable. And I thought, I wonder what is insurmountable to some of the women this morning at Egypt. What's going on in your life that, naturally speaking, it seems insurmountable? Well, I'd written down here, faith can do better than battering rams. And beside it, I'd written down Spurgeon. I must have got that from Spurgeon somewhere. I thought to myself, Lord, I think that's a word for the Egad woman this morning. Are you trying to use battering rams to get through your situation? Are you trying to use your natural resources? Well, faith's better than battering rams. And then I'd gone on to say, human wisdom. And how do you read me on writing? <laughs> the purchase of slings and catapults. The um, amassing of huge stockpiles of stones for ammunition. It's just like human wisdom. Digging trenches or storming people or, or, or starving people is what, what in the natural is how you, would, how you would conquer a city, isn't it? You would starve them out or you would, you would uh, dig trenches or, or get your, your ammunition built up. But you see, I've written down here, faith does not oppose Satan's devices with human devices. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. And you can read a, a verse, actually we should probably read it, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And, uh, and I just had written here as well that God uses the foolish things to confound the mighty. See, what seems insurmountable to you at the minute, it's not insurmountable to God. He has, it, he has it under his control. And there's no point in you getting excited about it. You can trust God for whatever your situation is at the moment. And I just want to, I'm going to look at that, that, um, those verses just in 2 Corinthians 10 for a moment because I think it's so important that we remember that it's God's resources that we look to. He's the one who can take down those walls. He's the one, the one who can bring you into freedom. In the prayer room this morning, we talked a lot about freedom. We talked about, about letting stuff go and about walking into freedom. And it says here in, um, in 2 Corinthians 10, um, 
For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God, to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And you know what, folks? That's exactly what Joshua was doing. He was trusting the Lord. He was trusting the Lord to defeat this wall city, to bring down these walls of Jericho. And, uh, and Rahab was living in this city and she had heard about God, but she didn't really know anything. She didn't, she, she, Moses had brought the law to God's people. She didn't know anything about the law. She'd just heard rumours of the great thing that God had done. She'd heard how God had taken them out of, out of, uh, out of Egypt. She'd heard about them crossing the Red Sea. She'd heard the rumours. That's about all she knew. She, she didn't have an experience of actually knowing who God was. And you see, God had given the law to, to the Israelites. So they knew about God. They knew that God, what God's standards were. They knew who he was. And, and Psalm 19, I'd love you to read that Psalm when you go home. Because... I just think that Psalm's amazing. And I'm encouraging you to read God's word for yourself. Read Psalm 19, because it talks at the beginning of that Psalm how all of creation shows you about God. But how God's law takes you that step further and rejoices your heart when you see who God is. And Rahab, she could see the beautiful sunsets and she could see what it was like to, to, to look around her and see the wonders of creation. But she didn't have God's law. That was a stepping stone that, that Israel had to bring them to Christ. But she didn't even know that much. She didn't even know about the law of God. And here she was, and, and she's longing, she's thinking, I would love, I'd love to know that God. That God who took them out of bondage and brought them across the wilderness. That God who, who took them through the Red Sea. How on earth did they ever get here? He must be the true God. And, and Rahab began to weigh it up in her heart. This is the God I want to serve. This is the God I want to have in my life. And so, guess what? Whenever Joshua sent out the spies, who was the first person that God led the spies to? But Rahab. You know what? God sees a seeking heart. And you're seeking, you're seeking him, he'll send somebody to you or something to you, some way to connect with you because he sees and he knows the longings of your heart. And God saw and knew and understood the longings of Rahab's heart. And here's these two spies coming and they didn't know what they're going in for. And actually, if you read the whole thing, they didn't actually gain an awful lot of information anyway. If you read Francine Rivers' story, read the lineage of grace by Francine Rivers, you'll love the story about Rahab because she kind of brings it out that, that probably, uh, probably these spies, uh, you know, they didn't actually gain an awful lot, but yet maybe the bigger reason, she kind of hints, maybe the bigger reason that, jo that God told Joshua to send the spies is to get Rahab. See, God is way ahead of us. And this wee woman, she's, she's in behind these walls and she's closed in and she's in a bad situation personally, but she's longing for God and God sends two spies to her. And she begins to tell them, you know what, we've heard about your God and all the people are afraid. And she begins to encourage the spies and then she says to them, you know, the king of Jericho is looking for you. And, and, and she actually makes a decision. And her decision works it's not just by oh i hope you hope god goes well no she actually makes an active decision to hide the spies at the risk of her own life 
She put her faith where her mouth was. She decided that she was going to hide these spies and send them off safely. And that's exactly what happened. And if you know the story, you'll know that, that she actually told a lie to them. And, you know, I've heard so many people say, that's terrible. How could God bless that woman? You know what? This woman didn't have the law. She didn't know God's standard. And, you know, I, I read somewhere recently, she told a lie to protect the lives of the two spies. But God did not judge her on her words. He, he judged her rather on her work of faith. She did what was right. She hid these spies. She had a healthy fear of God. And she believed that God was the one who was going to capture Jericho. And she said to these spies, you know what? I'm, I'm saving your life and I'm asking you now, please, will you save my life and the life of my family? What was happening here? She was making a choice to put her faith in and to depend on the God of Israel. She was making a choice that the God of Israel, she wanted him to be her God. And she was actually going to step up from that moment of making the choice to be saved. She's stepping right into leadership and she's saying, you know what, I want, I want to see my family saved as well. And she's saying, will you promise me that, that you not touch me and I'll be saved and my family will be saved. And of course, you know the story. I'm sure most of you know the story where the spies made this covenant agreement with her and they said, yes, you'll be saved so long as your family are in this house and so long as you have a red rope or a red cord hanging out the window. I love this idea of the red cord because it reminds me of being behind the blood of Jesus. And you know, we talked about how Moses led them out of Israel and they had to put the blood on the door, the Passover, so that they could come out safely out of Israel. And it's exactly the same thing here. If we're going to trust Jesus to save us, we have to put our faith in the blood of Jesus. And the red cord is just a, a, a sign or a token or a picture of what it's like to stand behind the blood of Jesus and know that we are saved because of what Jesus has done for us. And when we take that stand and we know that we are safe because Jesus shed his blood for our sins, do you know what? God will want us to share that with others. And this wee woman, this wee woman wanted to see her family come into the good of that as well as herself. And so she shared this with her family and got them all there. And of course, Every time they looked on that red cord, they thought of the covenant, the agreement that, they, that she had made with these two spies. We haven't time to go into the whole of the story. Joshua didn't know the big picture. God knew how he was going to get him over the Jordan. We did a bit more about that in the novel that we gave. God knew how he would get him over the Jordan. God knew exactly what the strategy was going to do. But you know what the Lord did? He had a private meeting with Joshua. And I'm just watching our time. We're okay. I love the fact that when we're being obedient to God, the way Joshua was, that we will have private encounters where God will meet with us. Would you just love the way God will meet with you in your quiet time? Would you just love the way sometimes whenever you're just going through an ordinary time with God, just through your, your regular devotion, where just the Holy Spirit just breathes in your heart and you just sense that connection. Don't you just love that? You see, that's, 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 our, that's our daily bread to us. That's, that's so important that we have those encounters. 
And if we want to be the leaders that God wants us to be and to see things happening in our life, lives, and I know that's why you're all here because you all want more of God. If we want that, we need to have these regular times with God. And, and what I just love about this is that in Joshua chapter 5, it tells us that a man had an encounter, and this man it would seem was, was actually Jesus Christ. A man came, Jesus Christ came with a drawn sword ready for battle and had this encounter with uh, Joshua. Let me read the story to you. We need to get the story and then we'll, we'll finish off with what I have to say to you. I'm going to read it to you, um, just a couple of verses. Joshua chapter 5. It came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said, Are you for us or for our adversaries? It seems that initially that, that Joshua didn't know who this was. He thought he was an ordinary man. So he said, No, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take your sandals off your foot, for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. Now look down to verse 2 of chapter 6. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand, its king and its mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all you men of war, you shall go all around the city once. This you shall do for six days. And seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And it shall come to pass when they make a long blast with the ram's horn. And when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people shall shout with a great shout, then the wall of the city will fall down flat and the people shall go up, every man straight before him. Isn't it amazing that God had this private encounter with Joshua just before they went in to take the city of Jericho? I believe that God has many, many private encounters with each of us as we go through our lives. I actually believe that God wants to have those private encounters on a continuous basis. Not just once in a blue moon, but I believe that God has something to say to us every day. And I believe he wants us to go in that. And sometimes it's just simple obedience about simple things. But other times there are strategic things happening in our lives that are much bigger. Where it seems the enemy has put a wall around us and where, where it seems as though there's situations that we need that special encounter to hear what God's strategy is. And this is one of those times. And I love the fact that, that this was Jesus. I believe this was Jehovah. This was Yahweh. This was Jesus coming as a commander of the Lord's army. Coming with the, the drawn sword. You see, he's a God who can fight for us. He's a God who will take us into battle and into victory. And, and I love that, that whenever, whenever Joshua said, are you, who are you for? Are you for us or are you for our enemies? Who are you? Who are you for? And I love, I, I, I make a quote here, I've put it in, in your notes, that it's, it's my interpretation, but it's actually stolen from, from Philip Emerson, because Philip's always saying this. It wasn't so much who, who's side are you on. 
the Lord wasn't going to say, I'm for this side or for that side. He, he wasn't saying, I'm here to take sides. He was saying, I'm here to take over. God wants to take over in your life. And he doesn't want you to even look at sides. Just let him take over. And he'll show you how to do the battle. He'll lead you in. And he has the sword drawn. And of course, the Bible talks about the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And when you have the word in your heart and in your mouth, you have got a sword and God will go before you. And you know, there's a lovely picture in, in Revelation, I think it's 19, where it talks about him coming with a sword out of his mouth. You know, he's, listen, he's a powerful captain. He's a powerful commander in chief. And we belong to him. He's our leader. And he goes before us and he'll take you into battle. But not just into battle, but he'll take you into victory. He'll take you into victory. And he will bring those walls down. And so he didn't do it in any natural way. He didn't say, well, go out and get, polish up all your weapons there or you're going to have to go in. He, no, it was completely supernatural way. Whoever would think about taking a city by going and walking around the walls once a day for six days? Can you imagine Rahab with her rope hanging down and, the, and the, all the, the people in her, in her family and her household and every day they can hear the tramp, tramp, tramp of all of these feet coming towards Jericho. And they're thinking, is it going to be today? Can you imagine the sound and probably the, the walls nearly shaking with, with I don't know how many thousands and thousands and thousands of these armed men with the priests and their, and their trumpets and they're marching around the city. But you know what? They're, they're not doing it in their own strength. And they're not doing it in their own wisdom. They're doing it because God told them what to do. God gave them the strategy. Do you know what it is? It's trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. They're doing exactly what God told them to do. It might have seemed stupid to everybody else around them. Walking around the city once a day. I'm sure that the first day that, that they came, I'm sure that Rahab was thinking, well, right. We're ready, it's going to happen today. But then the next thing, they're all marching off again, back over towards the Jordan. And this happened for six days, and then on the seventh day, they're supposed to go round seven times, and it's tramp, 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 round and round seven times. Who would ever think of winning the battle like that? And then on the seventh time around, the priests give the long blast on the horn, and everybody does what they were told to do. They let us shout. You know, one of the things that I think is very interesting is that God told them to walk around the walls in silence. You know, whenever, sometimes, whenever, whenever, there's a time to speak, and you know I'm always telling you that it's best to speak out God's word. I'm always saying that, but there's a time to keep your mouth shut. Because sometimes if you're in a difficult situation, do you know what, you can nearly talk yourself out of it. You're going to do something in faith, you start talking about it, the next thing you need to talk yourself out of it. You need to just do what God tells you to do and so they're silent but the minute the signal comes and the blast of the trumpet they all shout they let this massive shout out and God does the rest because they tell us I heard from reading various articles they would say that the walls just didn't crumble down but they dropped down into the earth I'll tell you when God does a job he does it well and what can you imagine can you imagine Rahab in there and, and the next thing the walls are tumbling and the next thing she sees uh, one of these Israelites coming maybe one or two I, uh, that weekend if those of you who were away on the weekend we kind of we kind of zapped it up a bit because we know that she actually ended up marrying one of the of the Israelites and we guessed his name was Salmon which means peace and we, we reckoned we kind of 
we're just allowed ourselves a bit of poetic license. And we reckon maybe Salman with one of the side that is pushed on, you know, to say, had a wee fancy for each other. And we imagine, we imagine Salman coming, marching up to the door, knocking on the door. We're here, we're keeping our calm. Come on, I'm taking the whole family out. Do you know what? I just love that. I'm sure to her that if it was Salman who came to her door and she made her marry him, I'm sure, I'm sure to her he was just like a prince coming to rescue her. His name was Peace. Listen, ladies, we have the Prince of Peace. And you know, long before the world began, God knew that we were going to be needing rescues. God knew that we were going to be behind a wall sitting soon. God knew that he was going to have to send his son to come and die on the cross. Not to come to fight like an army and to do things in the natural, but to do things in the supernatural. That when Jesus died on the cross, it seemed the craziest thing ever. That nobody thought, Satan did never even guess that what God was doing was going to be his master shot. If he had known, he would have, he would have, there's a verse, a few verses in Corinthians that tell us that he, he would never have allowed, he would, he would have done everything to stop Jesus going to the cross. This morning, Jesus has won the victory for you. He didn't do it through natural means. He did it contrary to everything else that the wise would think of, every master plan that we would have. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. He died for you. And you know what? When he died for you, he totally defeated Satan. And those walls of sin dropped right down so that you could go right out and into your destiny and into the walls of salvation. Oh, you know, I would just love that I could be eloquent this morning. I would love that I could paint this to you to see how beautiful your Prince of Peace is, to see the plans that he has for you. You know, to think that he had planned for this woman, Rahab, not only to be the leader of her family and take them out of the of the walled city of Jericho and bring them into the inheritance of the Israelites. Not only that, but that God had planned before the beginning of time that through her and, and Salmon, the man that she married, whose name was Peace, that they would have a child that would be grafted into the lineage of grace to come right down to be in the family tree of Jesus Christ himself. How amazing. With a prostitute that we wouldn't have at any time for that we would have thought she was disqualified for anything before she started. Do you know what? Don't disqualify yourself. Don't listen to the lies of the enemy. Jesus said he was a liar from the beginning. You need to hear me this morning that God has a plan for you. And if you're feeling that you're stuck in behind walls that are hindering you from going out and doing all that God has called you to do, I'm telling you, get a bit of prayer, ask for breakthrough. Jesus has already defeated the enemy for you. Those walls can come down. Nothing is insurmountable. And God wants you to move out and into all that he has for you. And you know what? We have all the inheritance of Israel. It's all us Gentiles. We were just like Rahab. Gentiles without God. Let me read to you before we finish. I'm just going to read this to you from Ephesians. I love the way the old and the new mix. I love the way God's word just intertwines. And I hope that I've been clear this morning because I really want you to get this. Rahab was one of those Gentiles, just like us. 
and she was stuck behind these walls and she was separated. She was separated from all the promises of Israel. She was separated, it seemed to be done for. And look what it says here. Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their, the Jews were proud of their circumcision even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. In those days, you were living apart from Christ you were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel. Isn't this just like, like Rahab as well as like us? And you did not know the covenant promises that God had made to, to, to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. That verse has been going through my mind all week. You lived in this world. Rahab was living in the world without God and without hope. But now you've been united with Christ. Once you were far away from God, but now you've been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentile into one people when in his own body on the cross he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jew and Gentile by creating in himself one new people from both groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross and our hostility towards each other was put to death. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him and peace to the Jews who were near. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. He brought down the walls of Jericho by faith. I don't know what God's plan for, for all of you, but I do believe that he's brought you here, not by chance. It's just like those spies, when they went into the land, it wasn't by chance that they were drawn to, to the Rahab. God has brought you here for purpose. God has been working in your life for a very long time. And step by step, he wants you to get to know his word. He wants you to learn to come under his authority. He wants you to learn who you are in Christ the resources that you have in Christ Jesus. And that as you grow up and become stronger with those daily encounters with him, that he is preparing you to step out into the particular set of situations, circumstances that he sees that you're in, that he's already planned from before the foundation of the world that you walk in those things. The enemy does not want you to get this. The enemy does not want you to walk in the things that God's called you to walk in. He wants you to miss out on your spiritual destiny. But I believe this morning that by God's grace, that God's planting seed in every one of you. And we're believing that we're going to see mighty things happening, not just in our church, but in your churches, right across this land, that you will carry what you're learning here and what God is teaching you, and that you will step into your destiny. Are you for it? God's up for it, if you're up for it. God's saying, come on, we can do this together. Father, I thank you that your word is true. I thank you, Lord, that walls can come down. Lord, I thank you that you can bring walls down. And all you ask us to do, Lord, is to have faith in you, to trust and obey you. Help us, Lord, to put feet to our faith. Help us, O oh God, to step into those things that you're calling us to step into. Help us to see more clearly, Lord, that you do have plans. Help us, Lord, to, to, to move from where we are to the next step to where you're bringing us. 
And Lord, we just commit this morning to you. And we pray, oh God, just now as we sing, that you will be very close to us and speak into our hearts as we realise the blessings that we have in Christ, that we can be sure of who we are and of the salvation that we, that we have already. Thank you, Lord, that we can have this blessed assurance that Jesus is mine. Help us, O oh Lord, to sing this and to sing it to your glory and to give you thanks today for all that you have done, all that you are doing and all that you will yet do. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to sing Blessed Assurance. And anyone who wants prayer, we have a few of us up here, uh, Joy and Jerry and Marion and Susan and whatever, will be around to pray with you. And um, yeah, don't go away if you feel you want agreement in prayer. There is power in agreement. And uh, let's just believe that in these days that are up ahead, we've, we've, got, we've got another five weeks left of EGAL before we finish for the summer. Five weeks. Let's make these five weeks count. Let's, on the countdown as we finish off Hebrews, let's really go for this and trust God to keep shaping and moulding us and getting us ready to step out and do those things that he taught us to do. I love that there's a, a, you get to sing this song yet, by the way. <laughs> I love the saying that the hand ignites, and I think I get it right, but I love this saying, and I, I think we need, to, we need to take this for our, for our tag as well. It says, born to be someone, born to do something.